Hello, Jay here. If I could ask, could you give us a little five-star rate in Apple Podcasts? Go on, please. It won't take long. You can just do it now. That'd be lovely. And share the podcast. Tell your friends. Appreciate it. And on today's show, we're talking to the awesome Darren Blakely from Optimize Phuket. New Zealander Darren arrived in Phuket seven years ago and his journey has taken him from knocking down the Berlin Wall, allegedly, being in the middle of a riot in Jakarta, learning to PT in Singapore before finally arriving in Phuket and setting up Optimize Phuket. Darren is an awesome guy who's had a super interesting journey and he's got some great health and wellness advice, tips and tricks. Mmm, health and wellness. It's time to optimize. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. I like your sofa. Yeah. It's actually very comfortable. There we go. So mm. Darren Blakely from Optimize here at Blue Tree. We're actually at your place today, which is very nice. I'm loving the aircon. You look very comfortable there, Russell. I'm, I am quite comfy. Yeah. I'm, and like to, I'm, I'm rather quite and very orange. Very, orange. very, very bright. I'm quite tired. I'm which just going to slow well with the purple. I'm, I'm going to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, the listeners can see that, by the way. They've got the, the it's colors more lilac, isn't it? Descriptive. <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah. Um, Darren, when did you first get to Phuket? I came here in 2015. Where from? Singapore. I'd been in Singapore 17 years. I turned 50 in 2015. We've got three pairs of ears going, oh, this is all interesting stuff. Do they not know your age? Have you lied to them before? No, I, no. We I should explain the, 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 the three lovely ladies from your team are sat here listening. They are. Well, they've just found they're, out. They're looking like they're not, but it's secretly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're all on Instagram or yeah. TikTok or something young and informative that we don't know about. Yeah, so I, I had a business in Singapore. And, well, and well, before you yeah. get to Singapore, yeah. where are you originally from? New Zealand. Okay. So let's track right back Perfect. to the New Zealand. So, so Russell knows more about geography than I do. What? Well, I was, was going to ask. It's a low bar, you. mate. <laughs> it, is a, it is a very low bar. Where are we? Thailand? Yeah. Just checking. Um, whereabouts in New Zealand? Wellington. Right. I, I was, no, South, I was trying to, South Island. Thank you. That's what I was trying North to say. North Island, yeah, yeah. It's a 50 50 guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know. Know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you knew. I was trying to South Island, yeah, no. Incorrect. It was worth a go. <laughs> Brilliant. Bottom of the North Island, capital of city. Is Auckland South Island? Auckland is North. Yeah, so we just have a quick jump in New Zealand. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell us about New Zealand? Hobbit was. It's way there. better than Australia, but the again, Hobbit's that's a low bar. In the South Island. Hobbit's were in the South Island. I knew something oh, was on the so South Island. We got of. there. Yeah. Of course you were. Okay. Yeah. Um, growing up in New Zealand. Um, yeah, yeah, we were pretty much most of my mates were looking forward to getting out of New Zealand. And um, were you of that ilk as well? I was. I, I, I kind of like, I was a first generation New Zealander. My parents were both English um, and came with their families in the 60s when the, they called them 10 pound poms yeah. because they got cheap um, passage on the ships. Mm-hmm. 
down from the old country. Just to populate Australia. And there were just jobs. Yeah, well, was, <laughs> so there was a very famous story about the uh, Aussie Prime Minister and Kiwi Prime Minister having a meeting once, and the Aussie Prime Minister was silver-tongued and having a crack at the Kiwi Prime Minister the whole time through this kind of press conference thing way back in the day. And at the very end of the press conference, the, uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand said, but of course, when we came down to New Zealand, we came above ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, I'm so, not so, so, so silence, yeah, silence yes. the Australian Prime Minister in a heartbeat. But yeah, uh, yeah so no, it was a beautiful country and you know it's a beautiful country and, and it's changed a lot over the last 50 years. Uh, since I uh, since I left, um, but when did they, you, you you said you you were the ill, but you wanted to get out of New Zealand? Mm. What age were of you when you started thinking you want to leave? Twenty. Okay, so the, so the childhood was it was still because from what I would imagine, New Zealand is mm. an amazing place to grow up and to live because of all the different sports, the yeah. beautiful environment, the you know the lovely people, and they are nice people. Great wine. I don't wine. know any nasty New Zealanders. Mainly the guys that play for the All Blacks. I was going to say Richie McCaw. <laughs> 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 right. Anton slightly, Oliver. Slightly Italic. <laughs> but it's always one of those places that it always seems to be a positive, nice place. It is now. I mean, like you, what, why aren't you still in, the, in, in England, perhaps? In Have you York? seen it? <laughs> I had but to I mean, we all, we all want to... Yeah, you, you, you had your reasons. <laughs> yeah. Was it a case of... Um, in terms... Of, I've never been to New Zealand. Hmm. Right, well, actually, that's... Bit of a lie, I went when I was a small kid. Family holiday, can't remember any of it. North However, or South Island? <laughs> I think it was both. <laughs> I'm going to say both. Um, but it is, it's kind of in the arse end of nowhere. It's, it's it right is. down there. Remote. It's yeah. remote and just it's fucking way down Next there. Next stop is the Antarctic. Basically, basically. yeah, basically, right? Yeah. So, um, or you're going all the way back around again. Mm. So is it, was it, is it a case from, from New Zealand's perspective? It's like, you know, the big wide world, it's way over there. I want to go and see it yeah. because we are so... Remote. That was it. That, that, that was really it. Um, and, uh, you know, and I always figured I'd go back to New Zealand. Once I'd gone out and we have a thing called the Overseas Expedition, the OE, that we did as New Zealanders in our late teens, early 20s. You had to go and do your OE. And because we had a strong tie with England, England was used, London was the place yeah. to go, you know. Uh, that was the destination to get to and, 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 and do a year working in a bar, you know, living in London yeah. and having a good time. And, 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 th- and that was the goal. And so at 21, uh, we, uh, me, my brother, our cousin and another buddy of ours, we're on a plane. We bought a combi van at Old Street Market in London. <laughs> it was just there, like on a Sunday, they would have, there was a square, um, um, in the middle of it was Old Street, and, and that square of streets uh, had combi vans parked all the way <laughs> along it. There would have been like 150 combi vans. So I'm vans. assuming that some people come, they get it for their six months to a year, drop it back Bring off it back there. and sell it again. Yeah. 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 And we did that. You know, yeah. We bought it for £1,100 and sold it for £1,100. <laughs> six months, actually it was about four months later. And you know, we're hooning around Europe in this combi van, having just the like the best time what did you studied before that so i did engineering civil engineering um but i didn't do a degree i I did i actually did half a technician certificate (laughs) and uh and certainly efficate like i like i hated like i really hated school like like i really hated school and i didn't want to do it um and now of course where i am now is i just love 
research and and finding out more and more and more about my current passion. But that's because it's a passion rather than at school you were told to go and learn about stuff. I agree with that, Jay. Jay, You know that that is. I I I think our schooling, our system of education is completely broken. Yeah. No, I've got two young kids, so I totally look. Not not knocking the school that they're at at the moment, which Mm. is a really good school, Mm. but the systems in place I don't Mm. think are right. No. They don't work. I mean, no, my kids don't want to. I mean, there, there's certain lessons they don't want to do and they don't need to do it, but they're forced no. to do it and they're yeah. still forced to do exams and spelling tests. And I think the key point is what they need, right? And I, I think globally, the education system, I mean, it's probably beyond our collective remit. But no, it, let, does, it does appear. Let's fix be, it, Russ. Yeah, let's Come fix on. it. No, it, does, it just kind of appears to be out of whack with current who, needs. Who, who decides what we need? Right, and at the moment, it's not us. It's not our parents. Yes, yeah. it's the system that decides what we need. Well, um, I also noticed I get a report every end of term from my teachers saying how well the kids are doing and could they improve on this and what they should be working on. And it's almost if you did that any any other job, if I send a report to Russell saying right, this is how the podcast done, but you need to do better, Russ, and you need to do more work at home. It's like well, I'm paying the teachers to do the work, so why do I? And it's almost yeah. like <laughs> they're telling me that they're not doing a good job because yeah. if. My daughter can't spell well enough. Well, that's not my fault. That's the teacher's fault to fix that. So don't send me a report saying they need to do more work at home. Do more work at school. Mm. Right, now, now that's off my chest. Carry on. (laughs) No, true. Yeah, no, to me, um, civil engineering really interested me. And so when I did get out of school and went to polytechnic, um, I was really interested oh, in school polytechnic. Polytechnic, yeah. Don't hear that term very much anymore. And I still still remember the names of some of my my tutors in polytechnic. They they were. I remember my primary school teachers. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I've got one I remember very well. So, um, so yeah. So I, I did that, but it, it got interrupted because uh, when I was uh, uh, like halfway through the uh, certificate, uh, my then girlfriend got a job in Sydney. And, and did you have got, to check then? <laughs> no, I'm just going, I'm, how much information am I going to give yeah. you? Because I've got, some very, I've got some very curious ears going on. Do you guys want to um, pop out for a coffee? <laughs> um, my then but girlfriend. When you, when you did just the civil engineering, the engineering stuff, mm. did you have a thought process of what you wanted to do with it? Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. I, I remember I wanted, to, I actually wanted to come to Southeast Asia to build bridges and pipelines and roads and stuff. That's like I'm like 17, 18 years of age and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, wow. crazy, right? I look back and, I, and they, they were my thought processes. When you say build time. bridges, we're being literally bridges that yeah. you can cross not over. Not, yeah, physically, not, not, not just going, no. hey, come on. Everyone's all right. Everyone's yeah. friendly here. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. So you went to... A bit of that as well, but, but, but <laughs> yeah. mainly the structural mainly ones. the actual <laughs> fucking bridge itself. So before you built bridges in Asia, you jumped in a plane and... Went, went to, to London. S- went to Sydney, and then in Sydney, then we decided we were going to go to London. Um, and uh, my brother and one of our mates there, and cousin, and it was actually a little bit different to that. I ended up going back to, to, to New Zealand for a while for another girl, and then uh, <laughs> <It's always> <laughs> that didn't work out. And then then we went to London, and we're in London. We were there a very interesting time. It was '88, and the Berlin Wall came down in '88, and we were driving our um, combi van. We actually drove through Yugoslavia oh, when really that was falling to, apart through the wall. Oh, that's what I wanted, I wanted to say. We crashed <laughs> into it, and that's what made that's it, what started that's the whole thing. Well, actually, <laughs> uh, you you that. Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore. Correct. It, uh, that that was the end of Yugoslavia. Mm. We we drove through, and and we we I remember we we arrived at the um, border uh, between Austria and Yugoslavia, and we wanted to change some money. 
And the guy looked at the 50 quid that we were handing this guy and he, and he, and he called out to the back and there was a commotion and, the guy, and another guy came out with a box and he opened the box up and it was full of Yugoslav Dina. It was like, and they, they took the 50 quid of us and we went, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then we got through most of that 50 quid and Dina in about two days. Um, and then we had to reload again and we took 50 quid. And this is a true story. I took 50 quid and the, a, the box came out and it was twice as big. <laughs> in two days, the Dina, it tanked. And you go into uh, supermarkets and there'll be people outside the supermarket looking in. Um, and I, I thought, what are these guys doing, you know? And we'd go into the supermarket. The shelves were half bare um, and the pickings were slim. Yeah. going to the supermarket would come out and they would come up to you and say can i have that they'd seen what you had picked and they were asking if they could have it uh, they had no food mm. it was like i said to the guys i said we just need to get out of here this is probably going to be dangerous if we hang around here for too long and we wanted to go to belgrade um and we did a night in belgrade and then we just went straight down to skopje and through the border into into greece right uh and we, we flat out yeah, as fast as the combi could go, yeah. which was about 60 miles an hour. I was going to say, that's pushing <laughs> that downhill. 55 and a downhill <laughs> I like the idea of um, going to Eastern Europe, even even now. But it must have been amazing. Sort of, oh, uh, well, I wouldn't go right now. This minute's probably not a good idea. Yeah. I'd hold off I wouldn't, for go too, wouldn't go too far east, but you know. <laughs> yeah. it, it, was, it was, and then we get to Greece, and Greece was entirely different. Greece was the thriving economy, the drachma and everything else, and, and it was the tail end of summer, and everyone was happy. Um, Greece is amazing. I love it. Oh, I tell you, we, 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 uh, the stories in Greece, just simple things like, you know, like getting fresh bread out of the oven, um, uh, first thing in the morning and, and watching the fishermen coming in uh, with the catch. Mm. And uh, it was special times. We had, a, we had a great time. I love Greece. Mm. I really do like Greece. So, so how long were you traveling for? Three months, pretty okay. much. Yeah. And then what was the plan after that? Um, you know, in most of my 20s, I didn't really have a plan. Um, Still don't. <laughs> actually, I you know yeah no I do have a plan these days, but uh, it's only been a recent thing to formulate yeah. plans. Yeah. But during your twenties, so where were you and what were you doing? So that so I went back to Sydney after we did a OE um, overseas um, a trip. We uh, I was back in Sydney, got a job uh, civil engineering, selling uh, engineering equipment um, for a firm there, and then got offered a, a job. Um, when I was 32 in Jakarta working for an Italian firm uh, again in civil engineering products my father was a salesman uh, he sold used cars the cliched used cliche, car salesman yeah. and he was like one of the best he re he actually won an award in New Zealand for selling um, Holden Commodore cars um, the, he the, the the top salesman in New Zealand in 12 months, won a trip for two to Club Med in Numea. And that's what my dad won. He won. Ah. And, and, and my brother and I, we just both became salesmen. We just, just, just sold. How can it be, right? <laughs> my brother sold clothes in the shop. Now he works, he sits on the board of a big Europe, uh, German uh, firm uh, selling um, packaging equipment. Um, and, uh, and I've got a little gym in Phuket. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so and he, he so we were selling. So I was selling engineering equipment uh, for an Italian firm in Jakarta. And you've never touched Southeast Asia at this point. 
No, first time. Okay. Yeah. And how was that shock? I well, been, have I been to Jakarta? No, I don't think I've ever been yeah. to Jakarta. Jakarta 96, it was the last throws of the um, Sakanto. Was that when Gascoigne did that great run through... Oh, that's Euro 96. <laughs> Euro, that's Euro 96. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Over Hendry, over again. Yeah. Actually, that's I was in... Uh, when, when England played Scotland and Gascoigne scored that... Uh, that amazing goal. goal. That, that yeah. goal. Um, I was in a bar in Taiwan, in Taipei, oh, really? watching a, a, an English bar. And I actually wasn't in the bar because it was packed. And I was actually standing outside looking at a little screen inside and then got beer thrown all over me <laughs> when Gascoigne scored that guy. It was just a fantastic... And then the sadness that he just wasn't six inches taller. <laughs> he would have got it in. Oh, the header. Six, six yeah. eight, half an inch. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Bigger studs. Would yeah. Have been anyway... Taller. So, so yeah, so that was reminiscing about. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> that was '96, so, end of the Sahato era in in Jakarta. Amazing time. So to answer your question, it was like it was like you know you go from the orderly nature of living in Wellington and then living in Sydney and the relative orderly nature of that. And I and like you read you know read stuff. There was no internet then, right? So you know you, people would tell you, oh, it's a crazy place and it's mayhem and everything else. And then you get there and <laughs> it's like, oh my God, how does this work? This, this city, the city of 12 million people. Did you at any time during the sales process still have the passion to build? Or that now, was that kind of that set sail and now you're, okay, now I'm, I'm now selling products. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that had gone. Um, I, I still like using my hands and fixing stuff and, and I've got that kind of mindset but uh, but yeah no I hadn't really ever decided that I was going to pursue that okay. and how way. long did it take to settle into Jakarta and the, the mayhem and the madness that comes with it it probably took me uh, a week of drinking um, <laughs> and uh, and getting drunk and waking up and going why have I done this Get did you go alone and like, did you have any contacts out there other than the firm that employed you um yeah, so so it was interesting. They hired three of us at the same time. There was a there was a it was a big thing. The the office that hired us, the Italian guys, they had an office in Singapore, and they the two guys that were running the office in Singapore had ended up ripping the company off, and so they fired these guys. Um, and then they went, they'd said, okay, when we hire the new guys, we're going to base them in Indonesia under the watchful guys of this Italian guy who had gone tropo. He had literally... <laughs> could possibly this, go wrong. <laughs> yeah, this old Italian guy had lived in Jakarta for 20 years. He, he'd gone tropo. And like, is, he, like, is that like an Antipodean gone native expression? Yeah, well, it was quite a common expression back in the day for like a farang or a bule, the, the, you know, yeah. the white face in, in, in Indonesia is described as a bule. Um, bullies had gone go mad because they, the power had gone to them. Yeah. This was in the axe pat, pat, uh, yeah. package days where you'd live palatially, yeah. get paid handsomely. Yeah. You treat and you treated the locals, you know, like in, in a way that you could, you know, it was ridiculous. It was crazy. Unfortunately, that does still happen. I feel no, it, 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 not uh, as much as it used to. Yeah. Not as good. But that's yeah. very much colonial. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, it was 100%. that kind of. Uh, I blame the British. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 you know the the French were as good. Out yeah, of, damn the French. Just blame the, the French. French yeah, French. But then when you go into it, you know the Belgians did a pretty good job of it as well. The Germans did a pretty good job of it. I'm so. not saying anything bad about <laughs> Germans. <laughs> Leave the Germans out of it. <laughs> they were efficient. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, but no, I, I actually, I, I love my time in Jakarta. It was, uh, I, I was there. Uh, unfortunately, I got fired after seven months. Why? Because, yeah. Come the, on, this is the story. What did you yeah, do? Yeah, well, the, this Italian guy, like I was alluding to it, but if you want to go deep, deep oh, dive into it. Oh, God, the, yes. <laughs> he, he was just a nutcase. Like, I'd, you're coming in, these are the days of faxes, right? So you'd have a fax. So I'd get orders from my territory in the morning. So I, my territory was uh, Taiwan. It was uh, the Philippines, uh, Hong Kong, um, a couple other places, Korea. Uh, so, you know, p- p- uh, what was it? Passports, uh, scotch that they used to drink in Korea. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, but and these orders would come in and he would come in very early in the morning and he would go through them and he would initial and, and uh, one of my buddies in, in the office would say it was like a dog, you know, pissing on his territory, yeah. and uh, and then and so and then you'd come in and you'd start trying to organise the and he would call you into his office and say this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing, this is you go, dude, are you going to let me do my job? <laughs> you hired me to do a job, you know, and and uh, and like I've never been good with authority. <laughs> You're in safe company. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've never been good with authority, and 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 uh, I got that close to mm-hmm. one 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 afternoon. Obviously, at the end of my tether, he he he, uh, and he had this other guy working for him, and uh, he, uh, he he was Italian. Uh, the company was Italian. He had a French guy. Still remember his name too, and he was a little mousy guy who would scurry around the office, like you know, like reading things and reporting back to the boss. And uh, and he basically was sitting there and had had basically reported on me for something I had done, and I looked at him and I said to him, "Did you tell him?" And he just sat there and, mm-hmm. and I said, and I stood up and he said, "You're not leaving." I said, "Yeah, I'm leaving." Yeah. And he walked around the office and I said, "You get any closer, and it's going to happen." <laughs> you know, and uh, he stopped a yard away and I said, "See ya," and I walked out, and that was the end of that. So. Um, Good times. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was great times. You know, learning, yeah. learning process. Yeah, learning process. Yeah. And then yeah. what got you to Singapore? Well, well, what, what happened exactly after? Because now I'm in Jakarta. With well, they, he actually put me on three months. I, I got I negotiated a three month um, garden leave, garden leave oh. uh, with full pay and my car, um, and uh, played golf for a few months, and then I. I, I um, I networked around with some of my Australian contacts and got a job with an American firm uh, based in Houston, uh, still in Jakarta. Um, so they then set me up with another house uh, in a different part of uh, Jakarta, and I began working for that firm. Still doing, still doing a different product, but still civil engineering products. Um, on Be my great bit- for you didn't have to go to Houston. Yeah, and it was a very interesting. Well, I actually went to Houston to pitch because they, he wasn't going to hire me, so I just jumped on the plane and flew to Houston, and uh, and and then rang him and he said, "Where are you?" And I said, "I'm around the corner." Outside your office. I'm around the corner. Put the kettle on. And, and you uh, just did that without him even knowing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I just jumped on the plane and like I had, I was getting paid pretty handsomely in Jakarta. I had the money to do it, yeah. so. Um, but that's I, some I, balls that you really I wanted to punch. show that you wanted this job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He hired me. He hired. He, they actually, I was there for uh, three or four days, and on the third day, they put a uh, contract in front of me. So it's because you just banged on the door for yeah. three days. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you're in. Right. 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 Still here? Yeah. Yeah. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big me. Just so, get rid of that guy. Just give him. Just give. Just give him what he wants. Get him yeah. out. Get him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. But, and 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 that '97 was amazing because that's when Suharto ended up quitting mm-hmm. and uh, Habibi took over 
and the rupiah had been pegged to 2500 to a US dollar and and in that very tumultuous period went to 15000 uh rupiah to a dollar and there were riots and there was a place we played golf on the way out to the airport uh per, um not the hijau um um, but that was uh, Lippo Karawachi. So Lippo Karawachi was the Lippo group, which was Chinese Indonesian businessman um, who was very close to Suharto. Um, and he built this golf course and this mall and these residences. They ransacked <laughs> every one of them, the mall, the, the housing estates. It was like mate and burnt the whole thing down. Uh, the Indonesians. Did was, you feel nervous at that time? Very well. I had a friend. He was very senior with um, uh, one of the big American banks, and uh, Mark was his name. And he, on a drive home one night in that period, he got stopped three times. Um, pulled, you know, because the the Indonesians were putting roadblocks, and, and they were, you know, basically shaking down boules. And on the, the first one, they got they, he gave his watch and they took his watch. The second one, they took his shoes. The third one, they, uh, uh, they took his phone. And then his wife rang because he was normally home by then. And, of course, everyone was nervous uh, what was going on. And his wife, Sue, rang him. And this Indonesian answered his phone and wouldn't talk to her in English. And she panicked, uh, wondering what happened to Mark. <laughs> And, and, and Mark tells, he's a, he's a banker, so he tells a great story. But he, he basically arrived home in his boxes. <laughs> they, they took literally took the shirt Shelf off his, his back. back. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then they left. They left the next day. They were gone. Um, um, and it was, it was like crazy, crazy times. My ex-girlfriend was the Channel 9 reporter uh, for, for Australia. Um, and I remember I came home one afternoon during that time and I asked my, um, my, my, my helper, where, where is Andrea? She's Andrea, out on the street. You must go, you must go. And at the end of our street, um, there was a little kampong, little village, and you'd go through there and it went up onto this big main road, one of the big main roads in, in Jakarta. And I remember running, literally running through the kampong and could see the main road up in front of me, which was normally just cars with trucks whizzing past, and there was nothing. And I climbed up the bank and then gone to the road and looked around and looked to the right, and there was riot police yeah. lined up like batons, and, and they had these really nasty uh, prods, electrical, which they would prod and then yeah. push the button yeah. and shock well, you. Like cattle prod types. Cattle prods. Yeah, yeah. They, were cattle, they carried cattle prods, these guys. And they had them, and I went, oh, that's not good. And I looked to the left, and there was a mass of Indonesian <laughs> riot. There was a mass of Indonesian rioters, like, you know, and standing right in the middle was Andrea doing a report with her cameraman filming. I'm like, going, what, what are you doing? And she, shut up, I'm filming, you know. <laughs> and, 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 they, and they literally filmed, and they would, and, and this, they would, they would actually have to get the film, put it on a Qantas flight down to Australia yeah. and show it the yeah. next night's news. 
So um, uh, that's what she was doing, and they were, and and, and then the, the 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 cameraman would literally drive it out to the airport and get it onto, and that, that's what she was doing at the time. And it was just horrendous. And of course, she got off the road, and the two groups came together, and it was almighty. It was it was, and and that was that was what was going on at that time in '97. Wow. Yeah. And how long did you stay in there for? So I I basically um, about a week or two after that was when we had to get out um, and you know the guys back in Houston I, I said listen I, 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 I think we're in trouble and mm. and so I remember the date because it was August 14th which is my birthday and I'd gone into the the one and only client that I had in Jakarta which was a company called PT Dipasina part of the Gaja Tungal group which is a big big Chinese owned um, uh, company a conglomerate in, in, in Jakarta at the time and um, and they gave me on my birthday a three point six million dollar order US dollars mm-hmm. for the product I was selling, um, and then a, a month later the everything tanked, and uh, they rang me and said you need to give us a year to pay you for that uh, product uh, because at least a year. And, uh, and it was a long story, but the um, IBRA, the Indonesian Bank Restructuring Authority, had taken over Gaja Tunggal and said to them, listen, that uh, one that you gave for $3.6 million, that will be done in a year. And then I went back to Houston. In the end, they got paid, but it took a year. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get your commission? Uh, I got my commission. Good. Yeah, I did get my commission. And the guy I was working for, a guy called Bill Reed, uh, was a good old Texan boy. He literally wore the, yeah. you know, what was it, the 40-gallon tat? The, the, no, the, the, no, the 40-gallon hat, the big one, the big one. Oh, the, the one that goes up the big, The big, big one, the big one with the, they call them, I think they call them 40 or 60-gallon hats. Not because they couldn't put 60 gallons yeah. in but But he used to, I walked into the office, you know, when I went to meet him that time, he, he was sitting there with his 40 gallon hat on. Here you go. Boss Hogg, I think, had one. Yeah, that's Inner right. Yeah, Boss yeah, Hogg Hog had one, didn't he? he? Had one yeah, of I was hats. trying to work out. Before yeah. he got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I rang Reed and Reed was okay. But he, so, so then, um, but he said, go to Singapore. Because um, they had an office there as we well. We had an right? office in okay. Singapore. And that was another story. Got there and found out, uh, you know, I don't know, we haven't got that much time, I guess, but there was a big uh, brouhaha going on in Singapore at the time that I got to the bottom of and, and we changed things a bit in Singapore. And, but then I got uh, fired myself. And, uh, you know, I did. I literally, I was sitting there. Like I had yeah, re- reorganized this, this failing business. And it was failing because people were ripping it off. Um, and, uh, and then, like, six months later, my new boss, because Reed got fired and I was reporting directly to him. And so I got a new boss. And six months later, he walked in through the door in Singapore and I looked up from my desk thinking, mm, that's my boss. And I didn't, know well. he, <laughs> I didn't know he was in Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't you be in Houston? Um, no, and you are no longer going to be here. And I'm like, okay. And uh, I mean, after what happened in, in Indonesia with my first boss there, the Italian guy, and now with this guy. I, so that was the end of me ever Working being an employee. Yeah. yeah, I was 33 or 34 years of age, and I've never worked for anybody in my life since. Yeah. So let's, let's track into the fitness side of things. Sure. So were you doing fitness in Singapore then as well? Yeah, so 2000, um, um, when I got fired, that guy walked through. Um, I was uh, <laughs> seeing this girl, and she said to Another me, "Another one, yeah, Copy yeah." Me. And she said to me, "Listen, 
you know, okay, so, you know, you've lost your job. You've got to, I had another parachute, so they gave me a bit of cash. Cool. Um, and um, I actually started a small engineering company on my own working with the Singapore government with a, a Singaporean business partner. And, and that lasted a year, didn't really work. Um, and in that time, I, I did a PT certificate. I, I was down in Australia uh, visiting family because I had a bit of a window. Um, and uh, somebody said to me, why don't you do a PT certificate? There's one being taught in, in, in Sydney at the time. And it was a two-week thing. And so I went and did that. And then, Do you have any interest in physical fitness and training? Absolutely. Like I'd been training going to the gym uh right, okay. for you know my, you know like by that time i was 33 34 um and yeah I, i'd always like going to the gym doing gym stuff and, okay. and i played uh football soccer rugby always played tennis so i like to keep fit yeah. and so i had a real passion for keeping fit um, and so it was interesting. It's a good question, uh, Russell, because you know I, I hold on. I had did you ask a question? <laughs> no, no. He uh, asked, but don't be too nice to him. <laughs> Just saying. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can edit that bit. Oh, out. yeah. <laughs> good question, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you know, it had been you know, career change had been on my mind for a while, um, and uh, it, it's just one of those serendipity almost that you know it just worked uh came at the right time did the course loved it got back to singapore um their other business kind of crashed a bit um and um i began uh, becoming a pt and i had a lot of contacts in singapore and so i basically had a push bike and i would cycle from condominium to condominium gymnasium uh coaching clients and i i used you know um we had a expat uh, magazine at the time. It's called, called the Expat Singapore Magazine. It's still there now, I believe. And they had personal, they had an advert, personals adverts at the back. And I just personal trainer, ring Darren, um, and, uh, and and started building a client list. And and then I, uh, I I can. This is a story I've told a few times, so I can probably fast track it pretty quick. And That's then, right. No, no rush. Yeah. And I, I um, um, ended up. Uh, in a in a gym with clients, and uh, thought, you know, how am I going to make more money? You know, like, is how that, do I scale this up? How do I scale? You know, how do I scale a, a PT business? And the answer is really, you can hire more PTs, or or, and what you can do at the time is build a boot camp business, an outdoor boot camp business, and they were taking off in Australia. I'd been down over Christmas. This is still early two thousands, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so that was okay. the time, right? Yeah. That was a time around the world where the outdoor boot camp thing. I went to a thing at, on North Sydney Oval where the North Sydney Bears uh, NRL rugby team used to play. And these two guys from Fitness First down at Spit Junction were running this off their own bat. And, you know, it was like a rugby training session, really. Yeah. Go over there, do 20 push-ups, run over there and do 20 squats, come back here and do some burpees. Actually, they don't even think burpees had been invented at that time. Um, and I loved it. And so I thought, when I go back to Singapore, I'm going to build one of, the, one of these uh, boot camp businesses. So I had the PT business, wanted to know how I could scale it. But the eureka moment, if you like, was um, I, I was training in a gym with a guy that was importing these bands from, from China, these rubber bands, these big rubber bands. 
Um, and, um, and I thought, they're amazing. We could put them in a backpack, run around Fort Canning Park in Singapore, and at this point we can do some overhead pushes with the bands, and over there we can do some rows with the bands, and we can do some resisted sprints with the bands. And so I created this uh, boot camp, uh, the UFIT boot camp, UFIT, um, and uh, in 2008, and we had 10 guys turn up for the first session, and I ended up growing it to like 250, 300 uh, members. And when we grew it that big, it turned out that, um, and so I hired a guy that I met in that gym, um, um, who was also a freelance uh, trainer in that gym, met this guy. I hired him to train the PT clients. And when we got to about 100 uh, bootcamp members, we had 20 PT clients. We got to 200, we had 40 PT clients. And then we got up to 300, we had 60 PT clients. And so we're in this, I'm paying rent to this gym. I had three trainers working for me. And one of my clients came to me and said to me, Darren, he said, you know, I'm a businessman. And I said, I oh, know you are, Jeff. You're a very successful businessman. I can tell you, you need your own gym. You need to get out of this location and build your own gym. And I went, yeah, thanks, Jeff. You're right. Well, I don't have enough money. I've got, I've got 10,000 bucks. I'm going to need 200,000 bucks. He said, this is where I come in. <laughs> He's like, yeah, mate. Yeah. It's funny this, you should mention that. This is where I, funny yeah. you should mention it. And this is the percentage I want of your business. And so he didn't get that percentage in the end, but he still got a good payout when he left. But, um, and so we put together, there, there was a, a rugby player. Um, you graduated from where in the UK? What university? He graduated to the yeah, I was going to say you started. What, yeah, part, yeah. what part of the UK? Uh, originally, I'm from Essex, but I actually went to a university in Gloucester. So Gloucester, so Gloucester rugby player called James Forrester, <laughs> Jamie Forrester. Russell will know more about rugby players than I, I do. I don't know it, no, but I know that. Yeah, so he 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 became my business partner. Oh wow! Okay. He he played thirty times for the England Saxons, mm -hmm. the B team. He was a ten year uh, ten year contracted player with Gloucester, earning some pretty good coin, I think. And he smashed his knee up at 32 years of age, ended up in Singapore. Um, my client, Jeff, knew James. He said, you guys should get together. Um, so James and I got together. We built a company called UFIT. Um, and we ended up with three or four locations around the island, multi-million dollar turnover. Um, and in 2015, I turned 50 years of age. And the business was going great guns. Um, it was becoming a bit of a political beast. As, and, and we had a shareholder list as long as your arm. We had, uh, I had 10 grand, we needed 220. So I had to bring other people in that have money. Um, and um, the shareholder meetings, they, they were getting a bit spicy and people wanted to go in this direction, that direction. And I was doing my best to hold the whole thing together. Uh, but it, it, it was, I was becoming more of a, a people manager with the, with, you know, trainers are notoriously ego, very egocentric individuals. And so we, you know, during the day I'm dealing with all the, all this bullshit going on with my trainers. And then at the night I'm having to deal with a shareholder group who were had crazy demands. And so um, I was 50 in, in, in 2015 and I said, you know what, boys, you go for it. Yeah. How much money am I going to get for my shares? And I went, okay, I'm definitely leaving. And, um, and got, got the check. And in June of 2015, moved here. Why here? 
So um, why not? Hold on. <laughs> Good question, Joe. You know, <laughs> I'm just add that bit you in. know like. So I've got a really good friend of mine. He, in fact, he's speaking tonight at, at this event at 5.30, uh, Grant uh, Rawlinson. Which was an event on Friday. Unfortunately, you've missed it. I'm just saying for the listeners yeah, okay, listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Grant um, 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 and I, uh, okay, so 2015. I lost my train of thought completely. Um, got your check. Got the check. I'm off to Phuket. Come, come to Phuket. Had you been to Phuket before? Um, yes. Okay, now I've regained. Well so done, thank you, Russell. Russell. Oh, come High on. five to Russell. <laughs> High five, it's all Russell. About Russell thank it? you, Russell. It's all so, about so Russell. good friend of mine, Grant Rawlinson. He 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 uh, he's here right now, and he him and his wife want to get out of Singapore. She's Singaporean. They want to get out of Singapore. He's he's he goes by the nickname X, and he's 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 climbed Everest. Uh, he's rowed from Singapore to Australia in an ocean-going rowboat. He's he's about to get in another ocean-going um, uh, rowboat and go from Australia to India. Across this is the, the guy who's going to talk for you T- tonight. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. yeah I've that's seen, why, that's, you, that's why I've seen it. No, no, no I've, I've seen podcast. the answer. No, I've seen the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> It happened on Friday. You missed yeah. it. It's great. It's a great event. It's rowing it was from, amazing. from Australia to India. Yeah. Can I just say, I think rowing across or from Australia to India is a much more harder challenge than climbing Everest. Absolutely. I think and rowing Grant, across any open ocean is yeah. unbelievable. I don't think people realise how oh, dude. unbelievable yeah. difficult that is. Well, he rowed from, he's, he's rowed from Singapore through some really dodgy waters to Bali. And then from Bali through to Darwin. And, you know... He does not- know you can fly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That, that, I think his no, wife... Just, I think his wife... Been funny. That'd be my first question from like, mate. No. See, the thing, the thing that happens when you, when you experience that kind of stuff is you get this knowledge and you get this experience. And then what he's done with that is he's turned it into this huge, amazingly successful business where people want to talk to him about his decision-making process when he's out on the ocean and he's got lightning. It's pitch black. He's got whoa, lightning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to talk to him about his decision-making process. Going in the start. first place. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I mean, I think he's certifiably mad. I was going to say stupid, but... You have to be a little bit crazy. But what it is for him, and I mean, I, I, I can't paraphrase him. I can't, I can't speak for Grant. But I think that he likes to bite off challenges that, prov- that present such huge potential for risk that he loves to go through to mitigate the risk. So his challenge is mitigating risk. And um, I think in terms of you know, our lives generally, you know, we, we want to bite off massive challenges and we want to bite them off in a way that we don't get too burnt. But he's prepared to get very, very burnt in, in, in what he does. And I think, you know, for me, um, you know, in, in my business in Singapore now with, with this business here, is you want to like, you want to aim for the stars. And if you hit the moon, it's great. But, yeah. So, you know, you've got just to think of big challenges. Range, right? uh, so. well, it's interesting because when I was dealing with some mental health issues, I, I came up with the idea of setting myself some challenges. Some, some things that I wanted to try to achieve that I've never done before. Nothing like rowing across the frigging ocean, that's mm. for sure. Having singing lessons and hip-hop dance <laughs> lessons aren't exactly at that level. But they're still, yeah. uh, for me, it was a massive challenge. 
to do out that. Out of your comfort zone, right? Completely out of your comfort that, zone. That, that's the thing. And I think that does help mm. in anything. Because yeah. is, is I think we just do get complacent and we just get, you know, we just follow this path and it's an easy path to walk along. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to get off there. Anyway, let's move on to optimize. Yeah. So how did optimize come up? You're in, you're in Phuket now and you're chilling out. Yeah. So um, prior to COVID, um, I'd set up a business with a very famous New Zealand rugby coach. He's a sevens coach, Sir Gordon Titchens. And, and he's coached uh, New Zealand at the Hong Kong sevens. He, he won, uh, like he's got a, he won four Commonwealth Games gold medals with New Zealand. He won 10 HSBC world titles with New Zealand. Uh, highly credentialed coach. I, I met him through a mutual friend of ours and said to him, you know, what are you doing post uh, coaching? And he said, Darren, I have no plan. And I said, well, actually, plans are something I like thinking about. Yeah. Um, and so we got together. We built. We, we formed a company called Sir Gordon Titchens Group. Um, you didn't want we, your name in it then. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, the the Darren Blakely Group was not going to fly. <laughs> uh, it just wasn't going to fly. Was it the, uh, the Sir, Gordon, Sir Gordon Titchens? Sir Gordon Titchens Group. Yep. And Darren. <laughs> it's a bit like the yeah. Jay the Shark podcast. And Russell. And Russell. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, and we were going to build um, uh, coaching academies. Um, we had a lot of interest from from two from three um, uh, countries because um, you know he is a certifiable certifiable legend. Titch, uh, that, that's his nickname, and um, we were going to do coach education uh, apparel um, and COVID, and we were going to launch. Get this, we were going to launch July twenty twenty. Yeah, so that that was that got completely and utterly blown to smithereens. That Can't whole thing. Why, to be honest, no, off the top of my head, was anything no. happening in twenty twenty? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's, oh, it, it's a period of the last two years have, have been the worst, but they've also been the best in some ways. Because for me, it basically it, I had to rescale my ambition when it came to how I'm the next business I'm going to build. Um, and uh, the whole Sir Gordon Titchens group thing uh, died uh, with COVID. Um, Not Sir Gordon, just the idea. Yeah, Titch, Titch, Titch. I don't think Titch will ever die. I, I think they'll, if he does, if he does. <laughs> you what? I think, I think he, this guy, he's made Commentator's a, he's curse made, right there. He's made of granite. No, he's made of granite, this guy. He's like indestructible. Um, he's an amazing human being. And I learned a lot working Joe, with him. Check the sports news tomorrow. I'm going to. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> you guys. Um, hey, you yeah. said it. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that, that died. So I said, you know what? And, you know, I, I, I have to keep doing something. And, um, and in the COVID period, I got a couple of, couple of clients, um, trained them. Um, just went, PT stuff, yeah? Just PT. So I kind of like, I, I wanted to get away from fitness because I love it, but I wanted to kind of, I think, prove to myself that I could build a business outside of the fitness space. Um, and I, I would have done it, but um, we couldn't do it. And, uh, and so plus um, I, um, you know, I have some, ethical issues around medical procedure that we've been forced to undergo. And as such, um, my travel is highly restricted at the moment. Fair enough. Russ, and he's an anti-vaxxer. That's what he's trying to get away with. He's one of these weird anti-vaxxers. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Let's quiz him on that, Russ. Don't do that to me. Quiz him on that. 
So, um, do you know I, what? That's your choice, by the way. And I was just having I, coffee with someone else, and mm. that is actually your choice. And I've got no issues at all with that. Yeah. But does it? Are you frustrated? Just off the, before we get to optimizing, because you are not vaccinated for, for whatever reason, your own personal reasons, are you frustrated about you can't travel? Uh, not really, because this goes back to the worst and the best. I missed my mum's 80th birthday uh, because I couldn't travel, um, and we were, and I could, even I couldn't get in the plane because I couldn't get into Australia. Mm. Um, so um, um, I got on the phone and said, "Mum, this is the story." She said, "Son, I understand. You know, everything's good with us." And and it, so, it, like, I was a travel fiend. Like, you know, I, I'd make excuses to go on trips. Yeah. You know. Um, and I had a ridiculous mindset when it came to travel. And I've been here on this island now for two years. And I think I've been off it once on my motorbike over the Saracen and back before they shut it down. Um, and I've, been, I've never been happy. I love this island. I really do. And I love Thailand. I love the people. I love everything about um, and it. And the restrictions open my, my eyes to other things in my life that I can get into and enjoy. I got much more into nature. I did an online course in spirituality, you know. Um, I, Let's uh, not touch that. Not touch that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even looking at Jay at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that you wouldn't. The, the vaccination thing I can laugh at. Yeah. Can yeah. With. <laughs> the spiritual shit. No, yeah. no, we're done. We're done. Yeah, we're, yeah. You start rubbing those, whatever those balls in the hummity, 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 uh, then we're in a world of trouble. Oh, yeah, well, the Hermetica was the original Bible, and there was a lot of in- interesting things. Oh, the God. He's yeah. opened the can of worms. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get um, off yeah, this so now. so um, so it became very obvious to me, Jay, that I I uh, and good question, Jay. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> that soundbite is going to go on every single yeah, yeah, question yeah. that I ask. Um, and so I, I had to build a business here, and and um, and 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 no word of a lie, uh, Kate, who's on the right there, and I have known each other for a couple of years. And Kate had expressed an interest in, in learning to be a personal trainer. So I thought, well, you know what, I can build. And so I built a personal training. Um, you train the trainer sort of thing. Yeah, train the trainer. Right. Exactly. So I've built a personal training certificate, certification process. Is a, um, um, and, and I took Kate through that and Kate graduated. And uh, Kate has clients now and I'm very proud of the work that she's done. And she continues to impress me every day. And... And next to her, Mimi has been my physiotherapist for a, a couple of years. And um, I got a phone call from Mimi when we were first opening up, a very excited phone call. Kundaran, Kundaran, I'm outside of this Optimize and, and do you have a physiotherapist? And I said, Kumimi, I'll be there in five minutes. And no, I don't have a physiotherapist. And, and, but I do and, now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, we had a very, uh, Kate was sitting right where she's sitting now and Mimi was sitting where you are, Russell, and I sat here and and uh, we did the deal. We did the hire in, in, in seconds. And, um, and uh, Tanya uh, is a very good friend of Kate's. Um, and, uh, and Kate actually not only is a qualified personal trainer, but she's also a qualified sports masseuse. And actually Tanya is as well. They both came through the Banyan Tree Academy. Um, and uh, uh, um, Tanya is our receptionist, and when we get busy enough, she will also become a, a sports massage therapist for you, us. You've done a great salesperson switch here from going into talking about how amazing your staff are. I'm going to come right back. Where did Optimize come from? The word Optimize. And yeah. exactly before we... Your staff are amazing, by the way. Thank you. But where did the concept come from of having 
because this is very different from a gym that I know of. Yeah. And I'm not a big gym goer. I, yeah. I'm more of an outdoor. Boot, I'm a boot camp guy. Yeah. Russell's a gym goer, as you can yeah. tell, because yeah. he's built like frigging Arnold Schwarzenegger at the yeah. moment. You are stacked, and I think it's you're the so, t-shirt. You're buff, <laughs> and I love you today. <laughs> Oh dear. I need some loving. Not like that though. Right. But where did the concept, because you've got the small studio downstairs, yep. which is more of a kind of like a, it's a personal, very personal, personal studio, space. personal yeah. training space. Yep. You've then got this upstairs where we're sat right now with your reception. You've got some treatment rooms. Where did this all, where did this kind of concept come from? So um, again, during the lockdown, I began writing. I had a blog, which I'd written four or five posts on uh, a few years ago and um, you know uh, I I enjoy articulating what it is uh, what fitness is and and my take on fitness and uh, my background is I have a master's in exercise and nutrition science and so um, I'm a very curious uh, person and uh, when you've got time on your hand you're not traveling like I wasn't um, and we were literally locked in the tambon. Remember those yeah, days yeah. when we couldn't even go, you know, five k down the road. Um, I sat at home a lot and uh, read a lot about what was going on with COVID um, and uh, the response, to, and, and did all that, and then began writing as well. And I ended up. I've now got about eighty-five posts on my blog, and and. When, I, when you write, um, that process of writing and thinking about the subject and leaving it for a day and then coming back and picking it up again after you've you know, reformulated what it is you want to say, um, I began to realize that what I did with people, uh, the clients I work with, like um, one of my clients, who's still a client now, he lost 14 kilograms. He, he, uh, he, he was broken when he came to me at a very bad back. And so I helped fix his back. I helped him lose weight. Um, and we, not only that, but we also looked at sleep patterns. We looked obviously at his nutrition, what he was eating. We looked at, um, you know, uh, was he um, uh, was he doing meditation? Which he was doing meditation. What was he meditating about? What was what was his mind game? And so I came up with this idea that what I did was I. I help people optimize their lives. And so what I developed was this thing called the performance pyramid where, and, and as the name suggests, at the top of the pyramid, we've got fitness, but underpinning fitness is nutrition and underpinning nutrition is our body maintenance. It's the things, the mobility drills, the core strength drills, the massages, the physiotherapy that we do. Um, and then underpinning body maintenance at the, very, at the bottom is our mind game. How do we think about our lives? You know, what goes on now? How do we speak to ourselves? You know, the, the person we have the oh, most... Com- yeah, exactly. Oh, God. So the person we have our most conversations with in our life is ourselves. What's the quality of that language? Shit, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. For me. So, so what I've done to qualify that, I've, I, I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming in LP, which is the power of the unconscious mind. Um, and so I bring that. Um, obviously, you know, people have limiting beliefs. I, I, I can't lose weight. Well, of course you can't because you I can't. Think, yeah. You think you can't. You know, you're telling yourself you can't. I can't lose weight. <laughs> no, of course you can't. When you tell yourself you can lose weight, that's a very simplistic uh, analogy. But, but essentially, that's what it is. It's, 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 um, so I'm now a big believer in breath work. Meditation never worked for me. Um, it works for some people. It didn't work for me. I now do breath work, and breath work works for me. Um, I do half an hour of breath work most mornings. Um, and during that breath work session, I, and I, I coach my, I, my alarm goes off. I open my eyes, and I do breath work. And in that breath work session, what I'll do is I do a lot of visualization as well. Um, 
uh, thinking about the outcomes of my day, the positive outcomes of, of my day, um, the the things that I want to project as a, as a person when I'm out out and about. Um, who, when people see me, who do they see? Um, and uh, and that's important to me. It sounds great. First in the morning, when I wake up, I throw the alarm down. Kids get up, <laughs> open up the curtains. Kids get up again, start making breakfast. Kids, are you up yet? <laughs> I, I, I've bre- I have breathed a couple of times during that. Um, I, I find a, f- a fairly consistent, steady breathing structure throughout my day. I think. Oh, sometimes I, I have helps. to hold my breath, Russ. <laughs> sometimes I do. Um, would you say it's a one-stop sh- shop? Shop. Um, I don't want to. That's no, that's okay. It's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. But I could come in here and I could train and I could get a sports massage and if I've got a short. Sh- can't say this one. Short. Sore shoulder. Thank you. Thank you. Once I've got one of those, yep. which I had once and someone, one of your staff fixed that. But you can come here for all of that. Yeah. And we can come and sit with you and you can tell me that me eating cheese sandwiches at three o'clock in the morning when I wake up hungry is probably not the best idea in the world. Yeah, exactly. Even I've told you yeah. that. Oh, you have told me that. Yes, <laughs> that's true. That is true. It's true. And I don't listen to you or I probably won't listen to Darren <laughs> no, no, no. either. Because I like a cheese sandwich at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, absolutely. No. He's not, oh, no, he's, he's not a cheese man. Tuna, that's a tuna sandwich. Yeah, he's well, more, he'll be yeah, drinking whey protein or more <laughs> eggs down his throat. But you can come here for everything. But also I noticed, because yeah. you've been doing a lot of advertising on the radio, which we talked about before, and I'm a big radio fan. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's why I've got a podcast. Well, Russell's got a podcast, sorry, I should <laughs> say. You, you've done a lot of advertising, but you are doing a lot of about the, the come and talk to you about eating and yes. you know you've got smaller class sizes as well yes so kind of what's the pitch with the the smaller class sizes what you're trying to put there we've only got a small space so <laughs> <laughs> take that question out then that's a shit question well, no, what have you got it, it, you know we uh, and we have a sm- we could have made both stories a gym you know we could have done that but i don't want to do that people are already doing that um i wanted to have a <laughs> um you know um so um, I wanted to have um, a split space and be a one-stop shop almost. And I don't mind that. I don't mind people going, well, they're a one-stop shop. You know, um, when it comes to um, you can't be a, you know, a master of all trades, I'm not. But I've got masters in front of me doing that for yeah. me. Um, so... Um, Can I just say, Darren wasn't pointing at you and I then, Russell, when you said masters <laughs> yeah, in front of me. I think that kind of went without yeah. saying, to be fair. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so uh, so the, and, and the small group uh, training is really about making sure that we have eyes on our clients at all times. I think that um, you know this is a whole another podcast in itself. I'm pretty sure, but downstairs you'll find a, a whiteboard the length of the room, and on that whiteboard there's um, a lot of information that people coming into the studio can look up and read and see. Oh shit, okay, well there's a method to this madness. There's some science around what Darren's doing, um, and there is. I mean, uh, when people come and train with us, they do nothing without a reason. Everything we do has a reason and it has a point um, uh, all the way through the process. And so when you're downloading a lot of information to our clients, um, um, we want to make sure that taking on board and using it in the right way. So, you know, if you have any more than six, and we're not getting six, you know, we, we might get two or three people in the class. And that's just fine. I mean, we, um, 
um, we uh, we're happy to we're, you know we're, we're relatively new we're three months in mm. um, and we're and we're and we're building so um, uh, hopefully we will get to six in the class but it will be capped at six. You know it's cool. I know one of your um, students. I say students is the wrong word, isn't it? Clients, uh, clients, customers. Yeah, no, and she's always putting up pictures and stuff, and it's it does yeah. look, and she's been very positive, and she's lost a load of weight, and she looks yeah. great right now. So yeah, it does you. work, yeah. and you know, yeah. like I said, I've heard all your radio stuff. You know, you do, you are pushing the advertising, and it's yeah. it's, it's good. It's, yeah, it's good stuff. I I, I, I think that um, you know the island here, we've got a lot of people that come here are, are fit people, mm-hmm. right? And and they come here for the lifestyle. They are now. Back in the day, they were. Yeah. <laughs> but then they really. Why you look? We've been here a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been here fifteen. You've been sixteen odd years. Yeah. You know, when we first came out, none of them would come and train. Yeah. That's for sure. But it's She's only been hungover. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But in the last probably seven years moving forward and especially in the last probably three or four years yeah the the dynamic of the fitness uh, i mean there's everyone down in row is fit well, as, was, you, was fit as you like geographical right i mean certainly up this way yeah the if you if you go further down south yeah row you know chelong area there's you know there's fitness street down sort of towards chelong yeah, right? so and that's, heads, yeah, yeah yeah that's the hub yeah. but yeah. even further I, w- I was down at row i went to see kun yeah, yeah and i was well, down there having gems and stuff yeah right? and i mean every guy that walked in this restaurant when i was doing a, a video with her Every person that walked in, not just the guys and the girls, every one of them was fit as fiddles. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I think also, you know, I look back to the late, uh, you know, late 1900s, you know, in the, you know, going into the new millennium. Just, just before I got to Phuket. Yeah. <laughs> going into the new millennium, I remember reading that one of the growth industries in the new millennium would be fitness wellness. And yeah. it's, it's like, it's like literally it's a, a $5 trillion market around the world the fitness uh, market and and in asia pacific it's the high it's the fastest growing segment of that it's like i think it's two two trillion in asia pacific and it's the fastest growing as i said so you know uh, and, and the reason that, that is because people are being becoming more mindful around what they eat how they train um and for me uh being somebody who, who takes what i do very seriously and has a very strong passion for it um, I want to be as up-to-date as I can be uh, when it comes to the knowledge and what I'm giving to my clients, uh, which means I have to keep o- o- on my game when it comes to the research that I do and, and, and trying to innovate as well. I mean, it's, it, for me, it's important uh, to be somebody who's trying to push boundaries, uh, me personally, but also with the clients who are ready for that as well. So, um, yeah, so it's... Uh, I think what you're saying is right, Jay. Um, we, we, we're definitely uh, in, a, um, in a situation where people are becoming more mindful. And, and the more offerings and the more variety that there is out there, I think uh, the better it is for everybody. Well, that's the thing. I mean, different things suit different people. There's a, there's a gym here that I yep. won't mention because I'm not going to slag off other people's businesses, mm. which is a very good gym. Yep. But all I ever see is hot chicks taking Fit pictures bots. in yoga pants yeah you know and that to me whoa, is whoa, whoa 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 oh no don't get me wrong <laughs> hang on a minute there we, <laughs> there we saw you what we saw you there's a place for that and it's called tinder <laughs> yeah. right? i personally don't like that kind of thing in the gym and i you know it kind of winds me up or anyone who's mm. taking pictures of themselves working out i wear the worst yeah. clothes i can possibly find yeah to go to a gym and i think there has to be horses for courses and this i i, I like the idea of the smaller session yeah here and i do like the idea of yeah if i hurt i can go and quickly have yeah. A sports massage or a proper, you know, physio. A review. Both and no, sorry, I should say it, it sounds more like with the programs that you have, as you've already alluded to, that there's there's an end game in mind at each time. There's yeah. a there's a process to what we're doing. We're not just 
anyone can go for a run. Anyone can go and join a random fitness class and just you know, do burpees or, or yeah. squat and push ups and what have you. Yeah. But anyone can build up a sweat, but there needs to be a, a plan to that a point to, to reach a certain goal that you've yeah. at some point got to have in mind. And that sounds like what you're kind of... You're well, well yeah. I mean, for me, fitness is health, right? So the fitter you are, the healthier you are. So what? And so then what comes down to what, what's the definition of fitness? Is fitness being able to run 10K quick? Is fitness being able to snatch you know, 100 kilos? Um, is fitness being able to um, play a game of sport, play tennis, play football? Is fitness able to do all of those things and not get injured? Um, you know, is fitness like looking in the mirror and sh- looking at your abs while taking a photograph, you know, in the gym? Yeah, Russ, is that yeah. what fitness is? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely no. But, but is it all of that, you know? And if it's all of that, does all of that contribute to better health? And generally it does, right? So, and it's different for everyone, right? It is, Everyone's it's different, different for everyone. But the, the, the key thing is where I come from is um, we, we have a, uh, we, we, we bind this concept as human beings, we can move in seven patterns and, the, and that's the science around. And so can you efficiently move in those seven patterns? And so I'll have runners or triathletes come in here and I'll get them to say, show me your squat pattern. And, uh, and then they'll do something and I'll go, no, I actually you squat pattern. <laughs> So, private joke. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, because, you know, most people don't know how to squat. And then most people don't know how to do a proper lunge. Most people don't know how to efficiently rotate. And so what we do is we go, okay, here's our seven human movement patterns. Perform them properly before we do anything else. And they go, shit. And they go, okay. And so they, they perform the seven patterns and we teach them, okay, this is how you do a proper squat. This is how you do a proper lunge. And then after we do that, how strong is their core? We do a core assessment. How, how flexible are their hamstrings? You know, so Not. we go through this checklist. So we, and this is the I checklist. Toes. This is the checklist for optimization. So we, we physically optimize people um, based on the science that we know about the musculoskeletal system and human function. And human function extends all the way through uh, cognitive function, physical function, you know, breath, breathing, um, um, you know, the whole, you know, the, for me, it's the hormone, the endocrinal system, our hormonal. If we can optimize hormones, we sleep better, we process, we digest food better, we, we function uh, better. We function, we respond rather than react in situations. So hormones, um, you know, create so much of our lives and, and balance our lives. And so what are the things we can do in the performance pyramid that lead to um, optimized uh, hormonal uh, balance? And, and, that, and that, in a nutshell, is what we do. I've got a hormonal problem. Oh, God. I'm horny all the time. <laughs> Russell, do you want to ask your question? Hormony. Yeah. You're hormony all the time. Um, do you believe that the earth is flat? Can I be honest with you on that? Uh, yes. I've got a foot in both camps. Cool. I'll, I'll take. I'll take that. Mm. I, I seriously have a foot because I wonder how an, a globe spinning at a thousand miles an hour manages to keep water on it. Um, and then when we look up in the sky when we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour, how stars stay right where they are and don't move? Because if we're moving at a thousand miles an hour, how the stars remain there? There's a few. There's a few things that I think. Mm, not sure about that. But, you know, I, I, I think the earth is round, but I'm interested to hear what people say and the arguments they give. I have a very open mind. I mean... I'm convinced uh, we're living in the Matrix. Yeah. 
Well, I, 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 to that. I, I think we could be living in a simulation for sure. Yeah. And in fact, genetic scientists, one third of all genetic scientists believe that our smallest particle were a pixel, which actually t- means that we're in a hologram. We're holographs on a hologram, which means we're in a simulation. And that's actually true. If you Google it, you'll find one third of all geneticists believe we're in a, uh, we, we actually are a, a pixel, uh, which means that we are in the simulation. So we've confirmed all of that. Congratulations, guys. Thanks for asking me that question. Just You're trying welcome. to think which Pixel movie I would be. Yeah. <laughs> which character? Yeah. I'll probably go for, hmm, the dinosaur in Toy Story. He was quite cool. Mm. Rex. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, you got another welcome. question? Yeah. Um, I like that one, by the way. We should have asked that at the start. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what sort of things have you got on your bucket list? Uh, yeah. I'm guessing um, travel's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> the, my biggest, it's going to be a bit limited. Um, biggest bucket list item um, I, 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 is that I don't have a bucket list, to be honest. It, it's... Um, that seems to be quite a common answer, to be honest. Yeah, I'm I, ticking things off on the list. Yeah, the biggest thing I want to tick off is making a success of Optimize. That, that that really is my biggest bucket list thing. You know, it's actually it's a make or break, really. So I, I've, I've I, got to make it work. To be honest, over the how long have we been doing this podcast? Two years, two and a half years. Yeah, and I'd, it'd be interesting to go back. Actually, I've certainly noticed it more in the last year. The responses to the you know what sort of things you got in your bucket list mm. have tended to revolve around the here and the now, yeah. which would go hand in hand with a lot of what you've been talking about, which is being more mindful, being more present, being more focused on the individual in the now, mm. rather than being hung up on the the dreams and aspirations. And it's good to have those dreams and Absolutely. aspirations and goals for sure. Yeah. yeah. But the oh, I just want to go and climb Everest, or I want to go and whatever those sail things are you just sail the world or yeah. just you know hiking yeah southeast asia or whatever it is yeah it's more about the being present and being focused on the on the now Here and that now. and Which travel but obviously that's because people haven't been able no, but a lot of people during the covid when we was doing this because we were doing this pre-covid and during covid and now past covid yeah. if, if we call it past covid but during COVID, a lot of people say travel was on everyone's list. Yeah. Um, but you're right, everyone has in the last few... But that's also given, again, this is back to geography for where we are. We're in a very transient location. So everyone very lives flat, here. Absolutely. Very flat as well. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With eyes all the way around us. But we'll come back to that. But everyone wants to travel because people that are here are used to traveling. Yeah. Right? We, um, it was very yeah. easy to say, right, I can be well, It's a great hub as well. It's a great, you know, yeah. going back to Grant, my mate that's talking uh, last Friday... You like well that? There we go. Um, he, um, they're moving here because it, one of the main reasons is it's a hub yeah. and they can, he can get anywhere around the world pretty much. From yeah. You can fly direct to London now on Thai Airways, yeah. I believe, mm-hmm. out of Phuket. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Not okay. that you want to go there. I'm booking the flight up soon. There we Good. go. Going back for the summer. Woo! I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Right, on, on my summer holiday notes, um, Dan, thank you very much it's for doing this. Cool. It's really interesting. It's, it's really, and I think we could, we could do a very separate podcast. In yeah, I, I think, think so. there's, yeah. there's a lot more that you know like we could touch on. Yeah, no, I, we could have two separate podcasts, <laughs> but there's loads of stuff. I mean, like I would love to touch more, careful, so to speak. I'd love to talk more about the <laughs> you know, stuff out of it. <laughs> thanks about the food, nutrition, and stuff. Because yeah. and, and also joking aside about the breathing exercises and the mental. Because I mean, yeah. I, I I'm terrible. 
with my mental health and with my brain and I don't switch off. And to, to actually have a conversation, I think I might do it, you know, soon, is just sit down with you and see if we can do another session talking about that kind of stuff. Because sure. I think that for everyone listening, it's, it's kind of key as well the, to understand the, it. And I'm not trying to say, because I'm, I'm not trying to tell everyone to go and do the humbly, 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 whatever. You're the, trying to tell everyone not to rub your balls. Don't rub my balls. Oh, Thank red you. light therapy. Have you heard about that? That's another topic. On that note, we're going to stop. <laughs> well, well, Go um, on. Well, see, red light therapy, there's, a, there's some amazing research out there about it. And, how, and it's actually a very simple process to get that red light. Um, <laughs> maybe red I told bombs. the girls, I told the girls, I said, have you heard about red light therapy? And, and no. And I said, well, actually, you put red light. This, this is, people are going to laugh at this, but it's called sunning your balls, right, for men. You red light 15 minutes on a regular basis um, um, onto your uh, testicles increases testosterone significantly. It's a significant increase uh, in testosterone. I'm so sorry. My brain was thinking of something completely different. <laughs> when you said red light therapy, I thought we all go down Bangalore Road, <laughs> grab a prostitute, shag our brains out, and you feel better afterwards. Not that kind of red but, light. But segueing very quickly away. Um, <laughs> what, from the, prostitution? The, yes, go ahead. Um, the monkey mind, uh, you know. So, so well done. It, used to, it, used to be, it used to be that what we did was calm your monkey mind. <laughs> it's not about calming your monkey mind. It's about harnessing your monkey mind. And there's a big difference between the two. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm just thinking about playing with my monkey. <laughs> right, we got to stop. Honestly, you can't go on anymore. Um, right, where do I get a red light from? Russell's by the way, in tears, by you know, the where way. do I get a red light from? I've just got, got one coming. Russell, have you got, got one coming? I've got one coming. I'm going to about ten minutes. I'm going to have all the boys <laughs> in and out in ten minutes. Stretching my balls out. Like <laughs> there you go. Any better? Yeah, they're much better. Can, can we can we do a video for promotional purposes, please, Jay? This one. It's about optimizing your life, Jay. Oh, Russ, good. Here we Welcome. go. Darren, Russell's got it. He's got it. Oh, he's, he's great, Russell. Well done, Russ. Darren, thank you very much for your time. You're I really welcome. appreciate it. Thank Cheers, you, buddy. Jay. Thank Thanks, you, Russell. Russ. Cheers, Cheers mate. Bye. Welcome to the outro. How's your balls? Balls are okay, but I haven't put them in much red light lately, so... I like the idea of red light balls. Although, like I said, my... <laughs> no, I think your idea is slightly different to what... Darren was talking about. That was Darren. That was cool. I enjoyed that. That was quite in depth. And I think actually we could do, well, we could certainly do a podcast on the uh, the flat earth scenario, but we could certainly do a couple more podcasts just on the fitness side, the movement side. I, I think you're right. And, and, and generally sort of speaking, this podcast, and I quite, that, that's, that's, that's the, the, the Jayla Shark podcast, by the way, not the Russell one, the hmm. Jayla Shark friends podcast with a little bit of Russell is all about people's journey from where they were to where they are, to where they are. Mm -hmm. and then if we've got time we then always try to bring in the fact of where they yeah. are and I think that there's a so much more of where he is right now yeah we can unpack an awful lot of that in different podcasts yeah because we sure. only got up to the optimized bit mm -hmm. quite late on and so there is so much more to talk about and his different training methods and his mentality and his ideas as yeah. well of what his philosophy is and well, so there is mu much more to unpack but putting that to one side I, st I still think that the, the biggest takeaway from today's podcast without a doubt was the fact that you and I know fuck all about New Zealand that is very <laughs> true that is I was really that was, hoping that was hilarious and look, let's go back 50 minutes to the very start I was so hoping you was going to jump in because I know honestly I know nothing I know, I know Auckland where it is, I know Auckland and Wellington right that's the only two things I know about you and the Hobbit sheep and good wine. 
I don't even see. I wouldn't even put sheep and wine in there. So, so sheep, what? Well, no, sheep is Wales for me, and wine well, would yeah, be France. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough. So okay. there's nothing about. I think well, it, the only thing I know old about world oh, wine. France. The other thing New about world wine. You go to New Zealand. No, South I'd Africa. Go, probably go to Chile. No, I like Chile. Not a big fan of Chilean wine. Are you not? No. What's wrong with Chile? Uh, we were talking so about getting cold and hot. You were talking about you doing this cold and chilly. Yeah. It's good for you. <laughs> chilly willy. Chilly. I put chilly willy, put some red light on it. <laughs> Makes it so go. much better. Tonight, when I go home, if my kids come in the I, room, no, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I better lock the door tonight when I've got that red light <laughs> on my balls. <laughs> the thing is, though, and no, no, I don't know if I should say this on a podcast. No, I can tell you now, you absolutely <laughs> should not. <laughs> I'll think about editing it. If you, I'm could, you could put this in the WhatsApp group, when but I, not live on a podcast. <laughs> when I was growing up, and probably still now, I had extremely flexible skin on my testicles. I was so right. For legal reasons, we've decided to take this part of the podcast out. Anyway, that's my testicle stories. Some of my old friends will be laughing because I used to get drunk and do this trick all the time. The helicopter. No, I shouldn't talk about the helicopter. We'll leave that one. Yeah. Anyway, that was Darren Optimized. You should go and... Um, That's a hell of a link. That's a hell of a segue. Was it a good segue? Yeah. From testicles to... I shouldn't do that. No. Should I? no let's just try a better segue. From uh, putting red light to make yourself feel better mm-hmm. to optimize. To optimizing your life. Joking aside, I like the style of it. It is smaller yeah, no. class sizes. Everything's there. It is a one-stop shop. So if you get injured or you've got an injury and you can just check... There's, and like he said, there are masters of different fields within his... Correct, yeah. So, I mean, everyone there knows what they're doing in their respective field. But I think also the, the key point was it's not a gym. And you made the point. It's not a gym that you expect to walk into a gym. It's more about a not just fitness, but a wellness the, and the optimization of all that to give him to use the, their sort of their brand name and what have you, which you don't really have here. Most gyms and places of that ilk are. We have a gym. Come here and do your thing. And that's not what Darren's doing. He's saying, come here and we will show you what you should be doing, how to do things properly. No, I agree with you. I do agree Which with you. Which is cool. No, it's a good place. Go and check it out. And like I said, I, I think he's, there's so much more we need to unwrap with him. I, I, really, I, wanted would, to, I really want to talk about the nutrition side of things because you know about my diet is, is one yeah, of my I, weakest things Yeah, I would very much ever. enjoy to, to do it, like, even just the nutrition podcast with him. Um, and obviously, you know, some of the fitness stuff as well, but just as my bag. But it'd be, I think there's a lot we can unpack in that. Absolutely. Nice guy. I really liked him. Yeah, that's cool. Great story. Good guy. Good egg. Good egg. Now, back to testicles. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook at Jail Shark and Friends. On Twitter at Phuket Podcast. On Instagram at Phuket Podcast. But the best place to go is PhuketPodcast.com. The Jail Shark and Friends and Russell podcast was created and produced by Shark 13 Productions. If you are looking to start a podcast or would like to learn more about how a podcast can work alongside your current marketing plans, then contact us now at j at shark13productions.com. Testicles.